You are listening to the Compliance Conversations podcast by Healthicity. If you work in the healthcare industry, you know how crucial compliance is to your bottom line, your reputation, and the success of your organization as a whole. If this is your first time listening, welcome. A transcript of every Compliance Conversations episode can be found at www.healthicity.com resources, along with a ton of other thought leadership materials. You can add us to your RSS feed and iTunes, or follow us on Twitter and Facebook. Now, let's get on with the show. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Compliance Conversations. I'm CJ Wolf with Healthicity, and I have a wonderful guest today, Kyle Manwaring. Kyle, welcome. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, it's, it's good to have you. You're joining us from kind of the Midwest or slightly East Coast, aren't you? Correct. Yep. Yeah, the Northeast Ohio area. Sweet. Well, excellent. We're, we're glad to have you today. Um, today's topic, everyone, is going to be uh, DEI. We, in, in a lot of um, organizations, there's, we get lots of questions about DEI and how it might relate to compliance and just what is it and you know, how can it help organizations and those sorts of things. And so uh, Kyle has a lot of experience there and some great ideas. And we'll, we'll jump into that uh, as soon as we let Kyle introduce himself a little bit. Kyle, feel free to share uh, what what you'd like to share about yourself, professionally, personally, what whatever you, you feel comfortable sharing. That's awesome. Yeah, um, I'm excited to be here. I uh, currently am in the HR sort of DEI space, um, and it's kind of been a conglomeration of things that have brought me to this point. Um, I come kind of from a back with a background in communications, sort of a marketing advertising edge and also education as well. Um, I was a social studies middle school teacher. Um, I also have a little bit of experience in higher ed. And what kind of brought me here to where I'm at in uh, HR, specifically with a focus on DEI, is that I noticed kind of throughout um, different organizations that I've been a part of, both as members and then also as employees um, in, in various companies or nonprofits, I've always found myself very passionate about, about DEI, about inclusion, making sure that the organization is kind of maximizing, capitalizing on its potential by ensuring that its members, its employees are um, included, are equipped with the things uh, the tools that they need to be successful in their roles. And so that's kind of what led me here to, to where I am. Um, I love DEI. I love, um, I love sports and, you know, I, I love the intersection of um, the intersections of DEI and the work kind of what we'll talk about today in various aspects of life, um, education, sports, athletics, uh, government as well. So I'm excited to be here and share a little bit about, about DEI and how I think um why I think it's important and how it can be really helpful uh, in organizations across the board. Yeah, perfect. Well, thank you for for that introduction. So let's jump right in. Can can you first tell us what I mean? What does DEI stand for, right? And and just describe what it is. Let's kind of give us kind of some level setting for for some folks that might be brand new to it. Yeah, of course. That's a that's a great place to start. Um, kind of the area of DEI actually has has gone through a lot of change over the last couple of decades. And it can be very confusing because a lot of the terms that we use in DEI, we use kind of interchangeably, when in reality, they mean a few different things. And so um, just as a definition point, DEI is any policy or practice designed to make people of various backgrounds feel welcome and ensure that they have support 
to perform to the fullest of their abilities in the workplace or in any you know, given organization that they are a part of. Um, it stands for diversity, equity, and inclusion. And again, those three words are ones that sometimes we use interchangeably within the field and outside of the field, when in reality, they mean a lot of different things. Um, DEI was kind of started um, as a result of a lot of uh, civil rights laws that were passed to ensure that there was diversity in the workplace, ensuring that, you know, in the hiring process, in, in decisions and promotions, that, that members of uh, protected classes of different races, of, of genders and sex were um, ensured the same protections and the same representation within their organizations. Um, since kind of that focus of diversity early on, it's really broadened out quite a bit um, to focus on inclusion, kind of the, the ability for employees or members of an organization to feel like they belong, to be able to contribute, to make a difference within their organizations. Recently, there's also been a huge emphasis on belonging. And that's something where, you know, a lot of ERGs, um, employee resource groups or leadership development comes in. Um, kind of a sense of the employees being able to feel uh, like they're important, like they're valued, like they can bring their whole self uh, to work to their organization and contribute um, in an honest and authentic way. And then one other thing that, you know, recent kind of at the forefront of DEI today is a focus on equity and justice, um, specifically making sure that organizations, companies, that their systems, their frameworks are made in an equitable, fair way where all employees, regardless of their background, are uh, equipped with tools to be able to succeed um, and, and accomplish you know, their roles within that given organization. So that's kind of where DEI has been, kind of where it's at right now. And again, you know, from, for outsiders that don't have a lot of experience here, there, there can be a lot of confusion um, and overlap of all the words. And so it's important to kind of just lay that out there, so. Yeah, yeah, and it probably varies a little bit yeah. from organization to organization, like maybe depending on what their mission is as an organization. And um, I, I envision that this, you know, you, organizations can kind of put their stamp and their theme and their kind of flavor, if you will, correct. kind of on this, on this whole area too, depending on what they want to accomplish. Yeah, correct. A lot of organizations, companies today use words like belonging. They use words like culture and people. So it's actually becoming in a lot of organizations less common to hear DEI and more common to hear like um, it's a department of people and culture or it's there's a vice president of people and culture um, or a lot of it is just under HR. So so, yeah, it's important to realize in different organizations, terms might be different, but at the end of the day, kind of the goals are shaped um, from similar places. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And, you know, the fact that you mentioned kind of belonging, um, I've seen, you know, working with clients across the country, predominantly in compliance roles, we often will uh, piggyback on, you know, culture surveys. Most organizations are doing like some sort of annual uh, cultural survey, and, and they often include questions and, and uh, ideas about, you know, how comfortable do you feel here? Do you feel valued? Do you feel important? And those surveys, you know, nowadays have been going on for, for multiple years. And so you can use them as a benchmark. Um, and then to, you know, each year or whatever cycle you, you do these surveys, you can see how the organization's improving towards their goals, whatever those may be. And from a compliance perspective, we're often tacking on, you know, maybe some questions that, that we feel are important because those surveys themselves have become so valuable. Yeah, incredibly important. Incredibly important. So, 
Yeah. Well, that's, that's, uh, that's a good background. Um, so, you know, why would you say a DEI is important for an organization and, and what value might it even bring to an organization? Yeah, I, I, this is an area that I'm really passionate about. I, I fully believe that organizations, um, again, regardless of what the organization is, um, can use DEI to to reach a, a to maximize capitalize on their potential. You know, research and a lot of studies show that um, it brings in a lot more money. Right, having diversity of thought um, at all levels of an organization, and but especially in governing boards and in levels where the big decisions are made. Um, increased diversity um, of background, diversity of thought really helps maximize um, the earning potential um, and, you know, how how much money these companies and organizations make. Um, It also, you know, helps avoid costly litigation. Um, There's a lot of laws that are set up for protected classes to ensure that they they, um, are treated fairly and equitably by their employers throughout the hiring and employment process. And, And a lot of companies... Uh, lose a lot of money every year from lawsuits and from other uh, litigation that comes. Um, innovation is increased, right? Having different thought, different background helps uh, uh, different problems be solved in different ways. You have different perspectives. You're able to listen to different voices at all levels across levels across the board. Um, and something that's huge, um, DEI, like it, it's something that companies are aware of, organizations are aware of, which also means that employees are aware of that and they um a huge benefit of dei is that it enhances and boosts the company's reputation um employees want generally to work for companies for organizations that that are equitable that are fair and that are you know innovative and diverse and creative in their thought and and a huge way to accomplish that is by ensuring your dei strategy your dei um, directives and programs your trainings your hiring process you know every step along the way really is diverse and and inclusive so that you're able to kind of capitalize on a lot of these different benefits you know i could go on all day about benefits of of why um dei is incredibly important for organizations um what value it brings the key really you know from my perspective as um an hr person working in dei is to get buy-in onto these these programs and to help other people see why it's important and see why um why it can benefit them and help them in their roles and in their companies. Yeah. And I, I can imagine that, um, you know, just as somebody who over the last you know 25 years has worked in, in, you know, in organizations in healthcare predominantly where we see turnover and yeah. it's expensive. I mean, it's expensive to invest in bringing people in. It's an, ex, it's, ex, you know, it's an investment of time and commitment for the applicant uh, for the organization. And if it's, if it turns out not to be a good fit, it's like all that investment and time, it, it, it kind of feels wasted. And then you have to start over and then you never really get into the flow of, of what you're trying to do as an organization. Cause you're so busy dealing with turnover, people not yeah. feeling comfortable. And it's like, it, it's better to be kind of transparent and upfront so that you can get people matched and, and feeling like they're, they're comfortable. And so you don't have to go through that process over and over and over again. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. And that's really where like inclusion and, and belonging comes in huge because you want employees to to buy in. Right. You want them to buy into your company, to your organization. You want them to feel feel comfortable, feel 
like, again, they can bring their whole selves to work. And, you know, from an HR background, like that turnover word always kind of brings up a lot of emotions because by far the hugest chunk of HR budget generally goes to hiring and to turnover. Um, and there are studies, there is quite a bit of research out there that shows that companies that are leading on the DEI in the DEI field are kind of uh, setting a good example with with these sort of initiatives are able to 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 hold on to their employees longer and um and then you know at the end of the day spend less money on turnover and, yeah. and recruiting and hiring right and so yeah exactly and if any of those studies are like top of mind for you and easy to find maybe yeah. it might be cool to include one or two of those in in the show uh notes uh later yeah. because i, I think sure. it's, it's really interesting and it probably like you said most HR departments probably have that research at <laughs> at the tip of their fingers anyway. So yeah. um, what surprises me though, is like, you know, I'm, I'm a little older. I've been in, in the workforce for a long time and, and just in my lifetime, just in about 25 years of full-time work. And I can only imagine for those who've been working for 30 and 40 years, they've probably seen huge improvement in this area. Yeah. Um, but I still, and it kind of blows my mind, I still see as I'm working with clients, I still see cultures that um, like seem like they're 50 years old. <laughs> so for, I'll yeah. give you two examples. Uh, so in the engineering space, it's a pretty much male dominated, dominated um, uh, type of field. And, you know, females that are, that are uh, in, in engineering are often looked down on or they're, they're yeah. not, they're not included. It might not be a conscious decision, but there's this sometimes unconscious uh, bias that um, uh, makes them feel excluded and, and they probably are actually being excluded, even if it's not a conscious decision. And right. on the flip side, I, you know, I work a lot in healthcare. And so uh, not so much today, but I, but years past, you know, the nursing field was a female dominant mm -hmm. um, uh, uh, type of profession and males that were getting into it were, were, you know, either ridiculed or, or other things like that. And so just from, you know, just from a, a gender and sex standpoint, uh, it seems yeah. like that's one class um, that I think DEI would try to address, right? Yeah, completely. And that's a specific area that I'm actually incredibly passionate about. Um, there's a really great book called Lean In by Sheryl Sandberg. Sheryl Sandberg has been, you know, a, a C-suite uh, employee at lots of big companies, um, a really, really well-known, famous businesswoman. And um, a lot of her research and study focuses what you're, exactly you're talking about, gender and sex within the workplace bias. A lot of it has to do with unconscious bias, exactly like you're talking about, not realizing that lots of times we as individuals, we as organizations or systems um, might not treat people equitably, might not treat men and women equitably. And, you know, it shows that across the board in most industries, um, women are vastly underrepresented still to this day in, in leadership positions or in, in governing uh, councils where decisions are made um, and there's lots of reasons for that. One one thing, or lots of reasons that can be addressed, I'm sorry. Um, one thing specifically that, that I'll kind of point out, something that I love specifically from that book, Lean In by Sheryl Sandberg. She talks a lot about companies, organizations, and their mentorship styles, how mm -hmm. they mentor um, different leaders, right? We talk about wanting to minimize turnover. And a big part of that is making sure you maximize leadership development within your organization. Right. Um, and... Something that studies have shown is that 
across the board, men generally are more hesitant to take on um, men to be mentors for female employees. And her studies and her passion is kind of promoting that and saying, no, that's not okay. Like as a society, we don't have to sexualize everything and and right. assume that just because a man and a woman are working close together, that there's questionable things going on. Um, right. Because what happens if that system is perpetuated, it's men take take on the mentorship role for other men. And then down the road, that's when we continue to see, uh, you know, a lack of representation. And so um, so something I'm passionate about is really um, encouraging and promoting mentorship programs and leadership development um, for, for everyone within a company, but specifically for women, because Lots of times, you know, that's just looked over in organizations and that simple act, right, can then steps down the road, even generations down the road can make a huge difference in organizations. Yeah, that's such a great example. Um, let's let's talk some more about some of these uh, topics. We're, we'll take um, a, a quick break, though, and then, then we'll come back and, and uh, keep diving a little bit deeper. Thanks for listening to Compliance Conversations. We hope the expert information and discussions are a valuable asset to your compliance career. Healthicity also offers software solutions to help people like you manage their compliance programs. Compliance Manager is a comprehensive, all-in-one, customizable solution that will save you time, stress, and make your compliance program more effective. Head over to healthicity.com for a quick demo video to see how Compliance Manager can bring simplicity to your everyday work. Now back to the show. Welcome back, everyone, from the break. Uh, we're here with Kyle Manwaring talking about uh, DEI and, and the importance that that has uh, for organizations, uh, their productivity, financial performance, overall uh, kind of culture and belonging. Um, and uh, Kyle, I wanted to maybe shift gears a little bit. A lot of our audience is made up of compliance professionals and, and largely in healthcare, but um, you know, compliance professionals are familiar with laws and regulations, and that's kind of the message that they are often focused on. Um, are you aware of, of what kind of laws there might be related to DEI? Um, and maybe talk about kind of these mandatory DEI, addressing DEI issues mandatorily from, you know, from like a regulatory or legal perspective versus kind of the voluntary perspective of, you know, trying to create a culture. Yeah, of course. A lot of the current DEI uh, fields within HR, within companies, kind of stems from some of these laws. And, um, you know, the biggest one that we talk a lot about in, in HR and when you talk about employment law is the Civil Rights Act of 1964, ensuring that all employees and applicants, so even applicants in the process of, of applying, interviewing, um, are, are free from discrimination, specifically based on race, color, religion, sex, and national origin. And so while, while like these DEI initiatives, right, a lot of them aren't um, specifically as specifically to address these legal these legal things but in a roundabout way they really do and they help ensure that discrimination really is minimized within an organization um that same civil rights act there's been um amendments and executive orders since then establishing you know protections for uh for women who are pregnant for different gender identities for sexual orientation um for for adults older uh, um older than the, the age of 40 um, for neurodivergent individuals, for individuals with disabilities. Um, and, you know, a lot of these laws are really um, 
complex, hard to understand, um, and they really can just be avoided by ensuring that your systems are equitable. The organization, uh, federal organization that oversees all of this is the EEOC, the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission. And that's kind of where employees or members of organizations can go make complaints if they feel like uh, they've been discriminated against uh, in any uh point of the process, right, of applying to a position um, and being employed in a position. Um, And so so there's there's a lot there. There's a lot there. Right. Um, Coming from an HR background, I think like legal teams probably understand a lot of these laws a lot more um, than than HR folks do. But it is important to be aware of them um, to avoid, you know, costly legal cases that could come against you if you if you are at any point purposely not hiring someone right because of their age or because of um disabilities that they have right there has to be more more going on than just that yeah and you know you kind of mentioned um employees or or applicants could file complaints with the EEOC and yeah. you know on the compliance front we spend a lot of time and money and, and effort in making a hotline um, or kind of a speak up culture where um, we even have policies where there's, you know, uh, no retaliation allowed if, if yeah. somebody brings forth a complaint in good faith. And of course, we're seeking from a compliance perspective, we're seeking a kind of a hotline issues that that deal with, uh, you know, the organization might be breaking laws like HIPAA or billing yeah. or those sorts of things. But in those hotlines, in my experience, a vast majority, because the entire uh, employee population is aware of the hotline. We get a lot of what we call HR issues reported through that hotline. Um, and so we have to work closely with HR to make sure that, you know, cause you know, if it, if it's, you know, a, a complaint about sexual harassment or something like that, um, most organizations let HR and legal deal with that as opposed to the compliance department. But but the intake of the issue is coming to us. And so uh, for our compliance folks out there, I think this is a really good uh, topic um, because you just need to be aware that not everything that comes into your hotline is usually addressed by compliance. It might be addressed by HR and those sorts of things. Have you seen those types of complaints come in through hotlines and, and see that HR or others like legal kind of address those concerns? Yeah, no, for sure. That's where a lot of a lot of the the DEI focus kind of, um, you know, with problems comes in, right? A lot of the reactionary work of DEI comes from the from those complaints. And it's interesting, a lot of DEI, and my opinion is all of DEI should be very data driven. And you talked about earlier, like about uh, about surveys, compliance surveys within organizations. And there's there's research that suggests that lots of times, specifically when we ask questions about DEI, about do they feel included at work? Do they feel like they can bring their whole selves to work? Even if like protections in the survey and the data collection are made to, to make it anonymous or whatnot, lots of times there's still... Um, inaccurate or inauthentic uh you know reporting there meaning that what you just brought up a hotline or like a third party or in this situation legally with like the eeoc those third parties are incredibly important for monitoring and for giving employees and and members of organizations you know uh, an outlet to go and make complaints where they don't feel like um, there's a worry of, of facing backlash or retaliate, retaliatory um, action. And so I think that's something incredibly important to be aware of, not just for DEI, but for, for all areas within organizations to make sure that you're giving employees, just like with this hotline, you know, um, safe exactly. places to go and, 
and, you know, either get help or report or just become more comfortable at work. Yeah, exactly. And, and you know, it goes beyond even compliance and, and DEI, like you're saying, you know, just developing a, a speak up culture, one where people feel safe to speak up. I mean, it yeah. can even go as far as, you know, the quality of this product is not good because XYZ is happening on the manufacturing line or, you know, just, you know, it, just just a general culture of being able to speak up versus, you no, know, we just take messages from the top down and, you know, we just. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, this is really interesting. I bet there's a lot of more formal training uh, in DEI. What what kind of training or schooling exists in preparing professionals for maybe a career in DEI? What, what are yeah. you? Yeah, there's there's a lot of certificates and additional trainings that that individuals can get. Um, most people that work in a DEI space either get a degree or a background in human resources or business administration because there is so much more overlap um, with DEI and HR and kind of you know that admin side. A lot of it depends kind of on the size of an organization. Um, smaller organizations, obviously, lots of roles are, are lumped to the, together where HR teams will also be dealing with a lot of DEI initiatives. Um, a lot of those complaints and stuff generally across the board are dealt with HR. Um, the part of DEI that I kind of like is within bigger organizations when there's separate uh, departments or or separate areas, positions specifically for DEI that can kind of be a little bit more proactive instead of reactive within organizations and um, crafting strategy, crafting long-term strategy for companies to maximize on DEI. So along that route, there's lots of training, there's lots of um, certificates that the individuals can get and DEI ch is changing so much. <laughs> it changes, you know, even from when I've started here, um, in various roles, like it, it changes all the time. And it's important to, um, to be aware of that and, and jump on that when industry changes come. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so within an organization, where is DEI usually housed? Meaning like, where is it placed? Is it in HR? Is it a standalone department? I'm sure it varies a little bit, but yeah. you know, what's a little bit about the structure and the governance of DEI? Yeah, yeah. So exactly like you said, it depends quite a bit, but typically um, it's housed and funded through through HR, through human resources. And um, usually the head of DEI direct or re directly reports to to the CEO. Right. Um, oftentimes there's a CHRO or a, a, a CPO or a VP of people and culture. Right. Talking about, again, that culture, people, belonging focus. A lot of companies and organizations kind of try to go. Um so generally it's housed within HR, but it's incredibly important across the board within DEI. It's commonly understood and accepted that um, executive level um, uh, leaders, you know, whatever those positions are called in various organizations, whether they be CEO or governing council or president, vice president, um, executives need to be involved. They need to be the ones that are ultimately approving um, decisions related to DEI, because when you take a step back and think about DEI initiatives, specifically a lot with like, um, like the litigation side of things, you want to make sure that you you're you're being careful and that the executives are fully on board with what you're doing. Um, so it's kind of a controversial take. Lots of lots of times um, within organizations, it's it's solely within HR. It's becoming more common for DEI to kind of be a separate thing that works in tandem with HR. Um, but at the end of the day, I don't think 
there's a huge difference as long, again, as top leaders buy in, that they're on board with what you do, and that they're fully involved with decisions, with um, the understanding of, of what's going on with, within DEI. Yeah. And I, and I can imagine, so kind of beyond, and this may be a less important reason to have DEI, but it might get the attention of executives. Um, of course, you want to just do it because it's the right thing and yeah. you want people to be happy at work and that sort of thing. But, uh, you know, a lot of, you know, for-profit companies are, are looking uh, at the, the bottom line as they should. Yeah. They have shareholders publicly traded. And my suspicion is that there's probably a lot of like social, um, I, I know on the the front of people buying stock and investing in companies, uh, a lot of times portfolios want to know what's yeah. your DEI strategy, right? Like, how are right. you, how are you dealing with these kinds of issues? Because these are important to our investors as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's huge. In HR and DEI, we talk a lot about um, making sure that you get buy-in from from executives and also from shareholders, making sure that you provide them with concrete data, concrete reasoning, rationale, not just, you know, coming at it from this is probably going to make you more money because it probably will. But also, you know, this is the ethical thing to do. This is the right thing to do. And yeah. um, a kind of a mixture of those, right? It depends on organizations, but hopefully a, mix, a good mixture of those really helps DEI succeed and flourish within organizations. Yeah. Um, maybe one of my last questions is we're getting a little bit closer towards the end, but um, how could DEI professionals and compliance professionals work collaboratively, do you think? Yeah, I think that that's a, that's a great question. And again, you know, my background doesn't come a lot from healthcare compliance, but um, I can talk a little bit to ways in which DEI is successful within organizations. And I think that there's a lot of overlap there within, within compliance. When we talk about creating DEI initiatives or strategy or programs, um, it's all about getting individuals to buy in, not just um, you know executives, but also all employees. A lot of DEI focuses on employee training, on um, educating employees on unconscious bias or on, um, you know, fairness and equitable equity within systems. And a lot of times that's not the most comfortable thing for employees or, or for executives, for anyone. Right. And so it's important to get, to get buy-in and to, to really help uh, individuals within organizations see that the goal with DEI is really to help individuals be successful Lots of times there can be like some um, some controversy within DEI and specifically like ERGs, for example, employee employee resource groups specifically for, let's say, for women. Um, lots of times people on the outside can look at that and say, that's not fair that women are getting this special treatment, that, that women have these extra resources. Um, but hopefully with DEI we're able to educate and, and help individuals see that lots of times those extra resources are needed so that these individuals can be at somewhat of a level playing field, can be equipped with some of the same resources and potential that everyone else is within an organization. And when you're able to, to paint kind of DEI initiatives from a, this is fair, this is, you know, about encouraging um, success within organizations, um, you get a lot more buy-in. And so I think, um, I think maybe there's like a parallel there with compliance of, you know, kind of making it not just this boring thing that people are like, oh, like this training again, this right. um, thing that we have to do every year and we just, you know, dread it, right? Exactly. But making it more engaging, making it more like, no, this has real, real 
impact. This makes real, real changes um, within organizations and within individuals. And hopefully kind of approaching it from that more um, optimistic uh, perspective helps, yeah. you know, it, it be more successful. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And you've, you've kind of mentioned this throughout uh, our the podcast today is kind of uh, data driven. I think that's yeah. really important to kind of, of course, these can be emotional issues. They can be emotionally charged uh, because they hit at the core of what humans are um, yeah. and that we don't want to ignore that emotional aspect. But to, to make sound, logical decisions, data is really important, too. <laughs> yeah, it is. Well, Kyle, this has been fascinating. Um, we have maybe another minute or two if you have any uh, last minute thoughts or kind of parting parting words of wisdom for us. Um, it's It's been fascinating to learn uh, from someone like you that that kind of does this for a living. And I am sure our yeah. listeners are also finding it really valuable. But any last minute thoughts? Yeah, I think just in line with what you just brought up about data, I think with data within DEI, within organizations just across the board, if companies are not capitalizing on their data right now, they're going to get left behind with the way that the industries are, are going right now, especially with DEI. So like capitalize on that, ensure that you have really good um, statisticians, really good um, you know, people to analyze that data um, within organizations so you don't get left behind. And then just one other thing I think um, companies and organizations, they should make a plan and they should be engaged in this because the trajectory of of society and of industries across the board are promoting and encouraging organizations to be more equitable and more inclusive. And so, you know, most companies, most organizations already do things like this and, and they should keep it up. And, and if organizations don't, they really should because um, that's that's the way things are nowadays. And it's gonna become increasingly so that way um, in the future. Yeah, I think that's, that's good insight that, um, you know, it, I mean, in the longevity of, of, uh, business and, and industry, it hasn't been on the map, you know, long-term, yeah. right. But maybe the last decade or so. And like you said, it's really just increasing and, and it's really where, uh, almost every organization is headed. You're going to probably be left behind uh, right. if you're not on this uh, path as well. Yeah, correct. Well, great, Kyle. Thank you so much for your time and your expertise. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you. Um, and thank you to all our listeners for uh, listening to another episode of Compliance Conversations. If you like these uh, podcast episodes, we encourage you to share them with friends, you know, to subscribe and, and like and spread the word. Um, and, and as always, if you have topics or uh, issues that you would like us to discuss or you know of guests that might be um, you know, good guests for, for this audience, please uh, reach out to us. Uh, have a great day, everyone. Compliance Conversations is sponsored by Healthicity. Healthicity designs software and services that simplify compliance and auditing challenges that reduce your risk and save you money. Where others see complexity, we see simplicity. For more information, visit healthicity.com.